0: I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope!
1: Put it back, man!
0: Willing, Rabbi. I know you can do this.
1: you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? who can forgive sins but God alone. Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins.
2: And I, just, I love that scene from the, uh, the series, The Chosen, uh, two seasons have been done, that was from the first season, the sixth, uh, the sixth episode in those seasons. It's an incredible depiction of the story of Jesus where uh, the writers, they, they, they select different characters in the go- stories of the gospel, different people in the stories of the gospels. And and lift up their stories. And so that story, the healing of the paralyzed man, the one whose sins are forgiven. uh, Who causes everybody to to, to really have a a visceral response. Because Jesus says your sins are forgiven. And there's only one person who has the ability to forgive sins. And so everybody that's there is thinking to themselves, it's blasphemy. Who is this guy who claims to be God? And little did they know that he actually was. And this story is told in the Gospel of Luke, it's really brushed, uh, told really quickly in the Gospel of Matthew, it's also told uh, in the Gospel of Mark. It's this incredible story, this incredibly miraculous story where somebody is healed, somebody is made well, somebody is helped because of the love of other people. Happens, doesn't it? You know, what you just experienced, whether you're here uh, in West Des Moines, whether you're singing a song before the sermon at one of your campuses, whether you're worshiping with us at a local site, I don't know, but we have the most incredible worship leaders and the most incredible worship teams around. I just am so thankful for them. <laughs> Praise God for them. And I, and I almost said, but, but if you say the word, but, then that negates the first part of the sentence. So, and, and in addition to that, that last song... That we sang. Did you see, if you're here in this room, if you saw Alyssa, she stepped away uh, from the microphone because you were leading the song. And there's power in that. One of my favorite things to do in worship, because I have the opportunity uh, to be able to sit up front, one of my favorite things to do is in the middle of a song like that. And man, my goodness, it was loud, not musically, vocally, through you. It was loud in this room. And I love to absolutely just go quiet. Now, if you ever have the opportunity, especially if you're sitting with people behind you, take the opportunity. But don't all do it at the same time, because then it get really quiet. And that would be awkward. But for a minute, just get quiet and hear the sound of the chorus of voices that are joining with you. It's what we do when we come together. It's in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. Paul writes to the church in Rome. Paul writes to to you and to me. He says, faith, faith, the thing that joins us to Jesus Christ. the The thing that joins us and gives us the assurance, our hope for today and the promise of eternity. Faith comes from, Paul says, hearing. Hearing that is the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed. Little did you know that when you came to worship today, that whether you're an incredibly beautiful singer, and I could hear around me, there are some beautiful singers Or whether you're like me, you're absolutely terrible. And the only time you should sing is either in the shower or in the car when you're by yourself. That you're creating faith in the people around you. Did you know that? That God's saving power came through you. It's one of the most powerful things about what happens when we come together and worship. No matter where it is that we worship. That we do this thing together. What would it sound like if it was one just just one voice alone? But it's beautiful when it's when it's done together. Because it's never good to be caught alone. It's what this man had experienced for most of his life. The paralyzed man. The one who's the kind of the the, the, the main person in the story that you heard read for you and you saw depicted in that show the paralyzed man in in the first century it was it was thought to that people and thank god it's changed from this but in the first century the time in which jesus lived people who had a physical or a mental disability those people were thought to have had no value to the community that they existed in so they would be cast off they'd be cast out they would be left behind And so you have this man who is paralyzed, whose whose future, whose possibility, whose life had already been decided for him, finds himself in a place where there's a man by the name of Jesus who had found his way to his area. And the only one who could save him, the only one who could heal him, was the only one he couldn't get to. Have you ever felt like that in life? Like you just, you, you just need something and you, you, you know you need help, but you just don't know how to get help. And, and because of that, there's this reality that, that you just feel as if you're, you're all alone. It happens to every single one of us at different times in our lives. Where we feel like we're unable to move, we we, we feel like we've been subjected to something or we've experienced something or something's been done to us. and, And because of that, we're like, I don't know what life is going to look like outside of this because I can't get past it. I don't feel as if there's any solution to what it is that I'm going through. And maybe for you, that's something that's been going on for as long as you can remember. Or maybe it's something that's a lot more recent than that. But it's horrible to be caught alone. I think about one of my best friends uh, t- twenty years ago. About we both were living in Fargo at the time. His uh, his business that he was working in was taking him was gonna take him from Fargo where we were living and was gonna transport him to Boston, Massachusetts. And he went there and we stayed in touch. I mean, we were incredibly close friends. He was the best man in our wedding. And when he went there. Uh, from a business perspective, things couldn't have been going better for him. And so I was expecting one day I was going to call him and I was going to talk to him about how, how amazing, how, how glorious, how, how wonderful everything was going. But then the moment that he answered the phone, I could just tell by his voice that it just wasn't so. And maybe sometimes it's the external things that don't dictate whether or not things are going well internally. But we try really hard to make it be so, don't we? One of the things my friend said to me at that moment that I'll never forget, is he said, Jeremy, you want to know what the worst feeling in the world is? One of the most difficult feelings is? He said, I find myself in a sea of people, surrounded by people. But yet, I've never felt lonelier in my whole life. And I don't know how to get out of it. And that happens when life gets tough. And life gets tough. That's why we've taken the month of June this year and we're focusing on well, where do we see God where do we see ourselves? How do we experience life? How do we, we get through life when, when it gets tough? And we know it's going to. And the beauty of faith and the reality of Jesus is he doesn't skirt the issue at all. In fact, Jesus says towards the end of his life in John chapter 16, Jesus says to to his disciples, he says to his followers, he says to you, he says to me, he says in this world, this side of heaven, in a world that's broken, in a world that things don't always go the way that we want them or they're supposed to go, Jesus says in this world, you are going to face trials, you're going to face troubles of every kind. Life's going to get tough, and sometimes when it gets tough, it's those things that begin to confine us. To no fault of our own, they begin to limit us, they begin to to be the things that we feel dictate what our possibilities are, what our lot in life is truly going to be, and we start to not be able to, to... Imagine ourselves outside of it. That's how it was for for this man. I mean, you think about it. His life was confined to the mat that he found himself on every day. I mean, that was the edge of possibility for him. And I wonder what, what... is the mat that's confining you? What's the, the, the thing, or what are the things that, that have begun to make you think that that's all that there, that there is for you? That maybe because of that, that maybe it's just, oh, it's over. Or maybe it's time for you to quit dreaming or quit imagining. And so you start to fight it alone. Why is that? I think one of the most difficult things that we have to face for so many of us is to admitting that it's not always okay. I mean, why is it that we want to so desperately protect the, 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 the reality that somebody might find out that sometimes we have bad days? When somebody says, hey, how's it going? It's, it's okay to say, not very good. And that's why community is so important. When I was in my mid-20s, I, I started running. I have no clue why. Uh, I, I'm a runner. I've been running for over 20 years. I wasn't built to run. I mean, if you look at runners, like their, their legs are about up to here on me, and they're like naturally thin, like I'm not natural, that's not how God created me. I grew up in an era, some of you will remember this era, it was very cruel, that when you were a boy and you bought jeans, there were two types of jeans. You got the slim fit jeans, I always wanted slim fit jeans. Like I was like, we, we, my, mom, my mom would be like, let's go school shopping. I'd be like, yeah, I'd start going to the Slim Fit. So she'd be like, sweetheart, you got to go to the what? The Husky Fit Jeans. <laughs> I'm a Husky Fit Kid. And sometimes when my kids are bugging me, I remind them that they're Husky Fit Kids too. But I started running and I, 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 just, I, I just fell in love with it. I'm not fast and as I've gotten older, I've gotten slower. But I absolutely love it. It was about 20 years ago, just over 20 years ago, I was getting ready for my first marathon. It was the day before I was going to leave, I was going to travel, I was going to go run the race. And one of uh, this, this guy in my life, his name was Mike, he had been mentoring me, he had run multiple marathons. And he said to me, he said, Jeremy, tomorrow morning when you, when you line up for this race, you're going to see something that's absolutely beautiful. Because everybody is going to be gathered together and you're never going fa- to experience camaraderie like that. Everyone's going to be gathered, the the pack is going to be, it's going to be electric, it's going to be energetic, and soak it in and and enjoy that. But Jeremy, something's going to happen when the race starts, is that throughout the course of the race, the pack is going to thin out. And Jeremy, it's really important that you you don't lose the pack, because there is going to be a time, Jeremy, in this race... At least one of the 26 miles that you're going to run is going to be extraordinarily hard. And you're going to need somebody to be along your side when the race gets hard. So spend some time at the the beginning corral. Look for other people who are running your pace that are shooting to run the same finishing time as you. Find those people. Talk to those people. Join with those people. Because sometimes the race gets hard and you can't lose the pack. And now I'm not talking about running, am I? There are going to be miles in this race that we are running that are going to be difficult and you cannot lose the pack. You need to have people that can come alongside you and to fight our natural tendency to think that we need to go through it alone. Over my course of my time at Hope, which is almost 13 years, it's amazing that I've been here that long, It's amazing that I haven't aged at all, but you guys all have. It's extraordinary. (laughs) Actually, it's the reverse. Just try to make myself feel better at times. But one of the things that I've encountered in, man, more people than I would love to admit. Six or seven is young men who have lost their spouses. All of them to cancer. There are two guys that I have remained very close with. One of them, his name is Dennis. The other, his name is Jeff. And both of them, when they experience that tough time in their life, have talked about how hard it is. Not just to get through it, but to to stay connected. And rather than me tell you their story, why don't you let them tell you their story. Take a look.
3: My wife, Angie, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer on May 17 of 2010. We have two children, Nathan and Olivia. She battled for over 11 years, very courageously. She believed that God could heal her and she had chemo um, nonstop the entire time. Um, The last two years got to be pretty, pretty tough on her. I would push her in her wheelchair to church. The one thing that was very important to her was her faith. She didn't want to miss church, so we made sure that that she never did. Her doctor had told her he was really running out of of different medicines that they could try on her. Things didn't seem to be working. So, um, you know, 4th of July of last year, she went into the hospital, and then it was just a, a slow decline. It was really hard, you know, those last few days. But there was also some blessing in that we got to tell her how much we loved her and how much she meant to us. Even as she was laying in that hospital bed, you know, people would come and see her, and she would ask if she could pray for them. So she did. Um, pass away on August third.
0: My wife passed away in uh, 2018. She had been fighting cancer for a couple years before that. We were living at Minnesota. I was finishing my military career, and we decided to move back to Des Moines to be closer to family and really to be uh, back in this church where she felt a lot of her support. Dealing with a cancer diagnosis, there was a lot of doubt and a lot of fear, not knowing what was gonna happen and raising the kids on my own. And, and I was in operations all over the world, um, was in combat. The egotistical side of me was, this isn't going to be any more difficult than what I dealt with in the military. Uh,
3: But when it's personal, it's different. I don't think that I had it as bad as Job, but that's probably why there's a book of Job and there's not the book of Jeff in the Bible. So I definitely had that moment. Why is this happening to me? It just felt like it was piling on. I called Olivia, just wanted to check in with her and see how she was doing. She was just like, you know what, Dad? I, I just really, you know, want to talk to Mom. And you know, and like for me, like as that fixer, I mean, there's really nothing I could do. Jesus said that we're gonna have trouble on this earth, but he also said, you know, um, take heart because I've overcome the world. And he also talked about his peace. After Angie passed, I've still tried to hold on to that.
0: Pride kind of took over. Like pride, like I don't need anybody else. Like I can do this on my own. I pushed people that he was trying to put in my life away, and I didn't see that at the time. There was a time that I felt unredeemable. I felt like my joy was gone. I I went through some depression. I went through a time where I didn't know if I was gonna be here. Um, I mean, I got that serious. I didn't know if I was gonna be here. I didn't know if I wanted to be here anymore. You lose hope, and hope's a powerful thing.
2: So what do you do? That's just real life. And unfortunately, many of you know exactly what that feels like. It's in Luke chapter 4, just before the Bible reading that was read for you. It says that, you know, Jesus comes in, he announces what his kingdom is going to be all about. The blind would see, the lame would walk. The captives would be released. It says that Jesus goes out through the region and, and he's healing all the sick and he's, he, he's, he's bringing these things into reality. At the end of John's gospel, the writer says that if, if they were to go through all of the things that Jesus said and all of the things that Jesus did, like no volume in the world could contain all of those stories. And so you got to ask yourself, why did Matthew, why did Luke and why did Mark all say that this encounter that Jesus had with the paralyzed man was so incredibly important that all three of them would include it in their gospel. He wasn't the only paralyzed man who had been healed. Did you hear what Jesus said? This this man's on, on... on his own, and, and, and there are other people who came alongside of him. They, they saw the reality that this, this person, person could not get where they, they needed to go, and they could not stand that that one would be left alone. So, what did they do? <laughs> they picked up the very thing that had confined him, and they brought it to the feet of the one who could do something with it. And Jesus sees them after they had gotten to the house and they realized that they couldn't not get into the house and so they hoist the man onto the room and they tear open a section of the the roof and they they lower him before Jesus and, and, and Jesus looks at the man and he looks at the ones who had carried him and he says, after seeing their faith, young man, your sins are forgiven. It wasn't his faith. Don't miss that part of the story. It was the faith of the ones who loved him, who carried him, who said, you may not know what the answer is, but we've heard about the one who has the answer, and it doesn't matter what you say, but, but we're going to, to carry you to, to Jesus. And so maybe a question for all of us is to, to ask ourselves, Who is it in our life? Who is it that God has placed in our life, in in, in our family, in our neighborhood, in in our social groups, in our schools, in our workplaces that needs to be carried? Who says, no, I'm fine, but you know that they're not. Or do we get so tempted to say, well, they'll just have to figure it out on their own. Can't imagine that the interaction between the paralyzed man and the men who carried him was as neat as we would expect. That maybe there was some back and forth where he said, no, you don't need to do this. And they say, no, we're not going to take no for an answer. He maybe said, I am not worth anything. And they said, no, we believe that you're worth more than anything. Not only is the question, who is it that you can carry, but maybe Who is it that's carrying you? Do you have those people in your life? It's humbling, isn't it? I think sometimes we are really tempted to say, well, I'm going to be the one who's just going to do the carrying. People are like, who's carrying you? You're like, "Ah, I don't need that. That's for people whose wills aren't as strong as mine. How's that going? I believe that God uh, created all the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the animals' of the land. I believe that God created them good. But when I think about geese, I really question it. I, I hate them. Like honestly, I'm sorry. I always tell my kids, hate's a really strong word, but I hate them. Why do I hate them? Because they're mean. And any creature that hisses is mean. Geese. Cats, sorry cat lovers, God messed up on that day, I think he did. Snakes hiss, like what, what, what's with that? And, and like I said, I'm a runner, and so we have an overpopulation of geese in this community. Have you noticed that? Not only are they mean, they leave a mess, have some decency geese, my goodness. Start thinking your last name is Johnson, you leave such a mess. So I was running just a couple weeks ago, and I was at our West Des Moines campus, if you go just about five blocks south of where we are, there's a a street called E.P. True. And next to E.P. True, there's, there's, well, depends on what you do. Some people call it a bike path. It's a running path, thank you very much. So I was running on the running path, and I started going, and I realized that there are these geese that are in my way. Now I had been out for quite some time, and I needed to get home. Like it wasn't like I'm like, oh, I'll just detour for a little bit. No, the gas tank was getting empty. I needed to get home. So I thought to myself, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to out-tough this goose. That was the first mistake I made. <laughs> so I start running at the goose. And I think like, did I really in that moment think that geese can see like facial expressions? Like it's like, whoa, this guy's different. So I'm like running. <laughs> like I'm going to run faster. And all of a sudden it goes, Phew! and I'm like, Whoa. That's not good. And then it starts coming after me like this. And I'm like, either fly or walk, but don't do both, because that makes it look like you're a monster. And so it's making noises, and so I'm running, and then I start veering the other way, and I literally bring myself into oncoming traffic on EP True, and there's a guy that hits the thing, rolls his window down, he's like, get off the road! I'm like, get the goose! like, I'm (laughs) running for my life! I hate him! I hate them, but they're beautiful. Why are they beautiful? What can we learn from them? Have you ever watched them fly? Not when they're like running, flying. They never fly alone, do they? I mean, unless they're flying after you. But other than that, they never fly alone. See them go north in the warmer months. You see them go south in the colder months. And every single one of those geese instinctively knows that it must depend on the others. That there are going to be times where they're going to have to carry the flock, but there are also going to be times when they're going to have to peel off and let the flock do the carrying. I mean, this is the way Paul puts it in his letter to the church in Galatia. He says, share, other translations will say carry, other translations will say bear, share each other's burdens, carry them for one another. If you see someone who's peeling off to the back of the pack, make sure that they know that they can just come in and you'll you'll break it for them, you'll do the work for them. Share each other's burdens and in this way, look at this. It's just not being uh, kind-hearted or good-willed in nature. It's obeying the way that Christ told us to live. And in this way, you're obeying the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Some people come to Jesus and they say, what's the most important of all of the commandments? If we were to follow one of your laws, what would be the law that would rise above all the other laws? What does Jesus say? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And there's a second one that's like it. He says, you must love your neighbor. We have an opportunity to love in a way That's felt and not just heard. Paul says in Romans 12 don't just pretend to love other people, actually love them. Pick them up, carry them to the feet of Jesus Christ. Love the world, Jesus says, in the same way. That I have loved you. I thought you were so worth it, Jesus says, that I laid my life down for you. So do that for your friends, your neighbors, this world that you occupy. I think about Dennis, I think about Jeff. I don't for a minute think that, that God caused what happened to their spouses to happen. I don't believe that God does that. I don't believe that God says, hey, I got to teach these people a lesson. So I'm going I'm I'm to give somebody something so awful and vicious as, as cancer. But I think that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can work through all circumstances. In God's word, Paul writes, Romans 8, that God causes everything to work together for the good. When Dareth, Dennis's wife, passed away, there was a person in our church family that had experienced the same thing. And that person was my first call. I said, hey, there's a guy who's experiencing something and he's, it's gonna paralyze him and he's gonna feel as if he's all alone and could you reach out to him? When Angie passed away, who do you think my first call was? It was Dennis. I said, hey, there's a guy, who just lost his wife, and he's gonna feel as if it's paralyzing because it is. And he's all alone, and I I'd love it if you'd reach out for him, to him. And what's happened? And what continues to happen? It's just extraordinarily beautiful. But it's not just the two of them together, it's the people that have surrounded them in other ways as well. It's the power of we, it's the power of community. Take a look. For me, it was getting back to almost
0: kind of a childlike belief that God's got me. And He started putting people in my life like Jeff.
3: I had been meeting with a men's group, you know, for. Um, almost 11 years on a weekly basis, I was going in and I was sharing my struggles and my fears, and I had guys holding me up and praying for me. But the thing is, fortunately for them, none of them have lost their spouse. Dennis can, could relate to me in a way that some of the other men in my life couldn't. He was further along down that journey, so he could tell me like what he'd been experiencing. He could kind of give me a sense of um, what I was in for, and that really helped. Dennis
0: started coming to that Thursday morning men's group, and so now he's a part of that as well. Journey has been not only getting through this and now having that accountability that I needed, but also now giving back. It was the missing piece that I needed to, you know, to feel like there were other guys out there that cared, that were going through similar things. Uh, You know a safe place to go that I you know could let my guard down, which I think as a guy is really hard to do
3: Some weeks we will just show up people have got things going on and so we don't even do the study We just sit there and we do life right now I've got 11 other guys in my life that I could go to them with anything I know that if I called them they would drop everything and they would come and help me most guys are longing for a connection and to talk about deeper things because at the end of the day we're pretty much all struggling with the same type of issues you know our jobs you know as husbands as as dads you know
0: just stresses in our lives the circumstances may be a little bit different but a lot of the learnings and a lot of the struggles are very real for so many you know we get there and sometimes
3: we just laugh and kind of screw around and then there's other times where it's pretty serious moments and you know we are doing life together dennis has been a huge blessing in my life he's like a brother to me and so i really appreciate you dennis so thank you
0: we are brothers we we're are wearing, we're wearing we're wearing <laughs> the same shirt we didn't plan it i have joy just because i know that god loves me and that god is there for me and regardless of what's happening god's put these awesome christian men in my life
3: we know because of angie's situation people that came to know christ and so we still talk about that we want to get one more like is there one more person out
0: there that we can reach. Nothing makes me more excited in the, during the week than going to church and going to that men's group on Thursday mornings to see those guys and to hear and to share what's been going on in my life.
2: <laughs> I love that. Uh, I thought it so, it's just so cute. They wore the same color. They did not plan that. They literally showed up at the church and they're like, oh no. Oh no. Like, do we change? Like, no, just do it. Got to work through it. But did you experience it? Paul says to the church in Corinth, he also says it to the church in Rome. Seems to be a theme throughout the narrative of Scripture that there's something that happens in community. I mean, don't think it's an accident that you're here. That the person next to you or a few rows away from you or across the room for you, whatever room it is that you're in today. They needed you here today. Maybe you thought you just were going to show up. But there's power in showing up, isn't there? I mean, if you've ever gone through a challenging time in your life, you will never forget the people who came alongside of you. And chances are, you can't remember a thing that you, they said, but you'll never forget that they were there. It's the power of being present. Do you do that? In doing so, you're obeying the law of Christ. Paul writes, and let's, let's read this one, no matter where you are. Let's read this one with one another. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We all pick up the mat, but we all have our mat picked up. So, who's on your team? Who do you have on your team? There's pictures of my son's baseball team. They're actually uh, playing right now. Now, the thing I love about Hope is we have seven billion services, so my son knows that he can play sports on the weekends, that's fine as long as he can get to one worship service. If one interferes, we take his little butt out of the game and we come to church. Because his sports career at some time will come to an end. But his life with Jesus Christ never will. And so my son's baseball team, their name is the Dirt Dogs. I love that name. Now for any of you who know Trey, know that that kind of fits him really well because the kid's always dirty. He literally can't not make a mess. But it was a couple weeks ago, and our son Trey, he was, he just, he'd been hitting well, and all of a sudden, he wasn't hitting well. His hands were off, his feet were off, and he was all in his head, because that's what happens when life doesn't go the way we want it to, right? We get all in our head. So Trey went up to bat this game and the first pitch that was that was thrown to him, he swung and it was like, "Oh my goodness." And so I've been telling him all these things, do this, do this, do this, do this, cuz I thought giving him a whole bunch of information was going to be the thing that was going to fix him. And then one of his teammates who was standing right next to me hollers out from the dugout and he says, "We got you, Trey!" And Trey looked at him and he looked at Trey. And something happened. We can go through all the information. But sometimes, more importantly, all the time, know that as a part of this body of Christ, and if you're wondering whether or not you're a part of it, you are a part of the body of Christ. You have a whole chorus of people that are yelling to you right now, whatever it is that you're going through, and they're saying, hey, we got you. It's not about you getting it right, but we'll carry you for however long it is that you need us to carry you. We're gonna pick you up, we're gonna carry the weight, we're gonna shoulder and share and carry your burden, and we're going to bring them to Jesus. Because that's who we are as people who follow Jesus Christ. That's what we do. It's not a bunch of stuff we know, it's the one whom we know. And he said, I don't know. Who would be my team? If I want to get involved, I'm glad you asked. I got a short list for you. If you want to get involved, here's just a brief snapshot. I mean, if you want to actually hang out with the nice people, do hospitality or hope ambassadors. Well, actually, they're all very nice. But get involved with production, worship teams, praise choir, adoration choir, hope ensemble, celebrate recovery which is for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The landing for teens with hurts, habits, and hang Celebration place for children who aren't teens that have people in their lives that are dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Grief share, divorce care, one-to-one care, hope groups. We have another hope group launch that's taking place soon. Get in community. Can't do it alone. Alpha. Spanish Alpha, after Alpha, Kairos for college students, Revive for young adults, 50-plus for those who are, well, young at heart. uh, Women's ministry, Men of Hope, Hope Kids, Power Life for middle school students, Ignition for high school students, One Body Sports ministry, uh, mission trips. Don't stand on the sideline. Get in the game. Know that there are people who love you. And know that there are people who need your love. Like the paralyzed man. Did you know that someday you're going to get to heaven and you'll meet him? (laughs) Ever think about that? All those amazing stories in scripture. You'll have eternity to ask them all of the details. And you want to know what? They'll ask about yours as well. So Jesus, seeing the faith of the ones who carried him, looks at the man and he says, stand up. Pick up that thing that's been confining you because that thing does not have the power. Because you've drawn near to me. And I tell you, stand up, which in the Greek it means literally to be resurrected. To be brought to a new life. And go. Go story of the good Samaritan where the man was left for dead on the side of the road. And the one who loves is the one who came and who ministered, who helped the one who had been left on his own. And Jesus looks to the people who he told the story to and he says, now you go. You go. Do the same. Look, we have the opportunity to be a part of a place that We can experience God's love. But don't miss the fact that we're being called into places where people desperately need to experience God's love. So don't leave it here. Because God goes with you. The Spirit's alive inside of you. By just being present with people, when life gets tough, you are literally sharing with them the love of a God who gave his life for them. And don't you think they would want to know that? So we're going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to worship. We're going to sing a song called Draw Near. But as we sing and as we prepare to leave, prayer partners will come. I want this song to be a sending song for us. Stay, worship, sing. But then when it's done, don't put church in your back pocket till next week. Go and do the same. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, let's sing.